Now, it's a real pleasure to introduce my friend Sami Samimi. Uh, I'm sure you already know, but he's the head chef and co-founder of Ottolenghi. He's originally from Palestine. And Ottolenghi are basically an institution. They revolutionized the way we use vegetables and they're pretty much responsible for um, places like Waitrose, Stocking, Zaptera and Tahini, which I'm very, very grateful for. They've been going for 17 years now, so they launched at a time when it was much harder to bring in a new restaurant concept. But before we hear about how they did it, what the future holds, and open to questions, I just want to tell you a bit about my Ottolenghi experience and how this event came about. <laughs> so the first time I met Sammy, was um, I was delivering some organic products to the warehouse. And actually, um, Ottolenghi was one of the first stockists. And I definitely didn't expect to see Yotam and Sammy. And as I was walking in, I saw them, and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, they, I just remembered that they looked really cute. I don't want to patronize you, but I will. They looked really cute. They were wearing like Converse, and they looked similar with jeans, and maybe you were a little bit skinnier then. <laughs> and they just. I'll get, you'll get me back later. Um, and they just radiated this energy where I was just like, oh my god, I just, you know, I just want to hang out with them. And of course, they were at the time signing some books, really gleefully. And they stopped what they were doing and they said hello and I, I just remember thinking that you know when the fantasy, the reality lives up to the fantasy? So <laughs> I, was, I was really chuffed. And um, another Ottolenghi interaction was I was innocently at my local greengrocer, probably looked really awful, and then I saw Yotam in the corner and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> what do I do? I had, I had pears and celery in my basket. I literally legged it for the rainbow charge and, color, rainbow charge and kohlrabi, just in time. Because <laughs> Yotam, sure enough, recognized me, came over and um, was just so sweet. I remember he was just talking about normal stuff. He said something like, oh, yeah, I'm surprised this greengrocer is doing so well, given it opened across the road from a Tesco. And so I was just like, wow, you're so down to earth. And um, another early <laughs> Ottolenghi experience was actually to do with my mum. So I'm originally Iraqi, which means I have an Arab mum, which is a thing in itself. <laughs> and so the, the one time, I think about two years into Organic, I allowed her into a work event. Um, it was, Yotam was there. And it was an award ceremony. I happened to win an award. So my mom was buzzing. She was like the first time she was proud of me since I left an investment bank, everything. She, was, she then just went off to do her own thing. I uh, left her to mingle. And she came up to me at some point and she was like, oh, um, by the way, I hugged Yotam. And I was like, interesting, cool. Like, how, did that, how did that come about? Um, and she was just like, oh, I mean, I, I just saw him and I, and I felt like it. And I just remember being mortified for a few seconds because I was like cramping my style and then just thinking, whatever, Yotam knows what Arab moms 
um, are like. And actually, um, what I was going to say is, is um, a lot of Iraqi mums are good cooks and very proud of their cooking and can be a little bit snobby about other people's food. But despite this, as you can see from, from what I just said, we were such big fans of, of Ottolenghi. Um, and so I guess Sami was always one of my food heroes turned friends. And now, years later, we're on weekends to Marrakesh level, which is nice. <laughs> so, oh, finally, finally, on a recent cinema trip, um, Sammy and I went to see a Lebanese-directed film called Capernaum. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but if you... Capernaum. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it's an incredible... It was actually, it's actually a mind-blowing film that, um, showcase, that, that not only um, the, were the stars of the film brought out of refugee camps, so they weren't actors, it just showcases some harsh realities and truths of life. And it's a really moving film. And I, I remember when we came out of the cinema, Sammy said, just said, we're so lucky. And... For me, being originally Iraqi, I'm quite used to having people around that are understandably quite resentful and a little bit angry about the stuff going on at home. But in, in my mind, at least, it's not necessarily the most constructive way to conduct your life. So I'm very passionate about a positive attitude to, to life, gratitude. Through my business, I'm passionate about sharing the positive aspects of the Middle East, and that links in with, with Sami and, and his attitude to life uh, and him coming from Palestine. So what I hope to share today is how his positive attitude has helped him in work and life. So without further ado, we will move on to... Um, I just want to uh, thank... Um second home, first of all, and everybody who came, came to see us today. And of course, to my friend um, Dana, I mean, she started the whole thing, nagging me about it, and like, oh, no, really? I'm not really sure about it. And then, the more we talked about it, the more kind of, um, I, I kind of said, okay, let's do it. And actually, she took um, kind of lead in, in, you know, preparing everything, and the type of questions she asked. And her mom, she's so cute. <laughs> she's so, so cute. I mean, it, it, it's a kind of um, uh, a slightly older version of Dana, but she's, she also can cook, which is very nice. <laughs> Thanks, Sammy. And yeah, the pressure's on me. As you said, it's, it's, um, I've, I've led this event, so if it's not good, it's my fault. Um, so. Are you ready? It'd be fantastic. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. So, to begin with, can you tell us how you and Yotam met and how the idea for Ottolenghi came about? Um, we met, uh, I was working in a place called Baker and Spice be behind Harrods. It used to be uh, a tiny little shop that uh, when they... <laughs> When they started, it was nothing like that in London. I mean, these days you see on almost every second corner a food shop, but 
back then there were literally kind of Italian kind of delis. That's the, that's the only thing that we had. Uh, so Baker and Spike basically started the whole trend of uh, selling um, their own bread, their own pastry, their own kind of uh, salads. I joined them in uh, 1997 and I started you know, this whole kind of trend of uh, doing big salad, very colorful, a uh, bit like Otelengi, and it, it just became a very successful thing. Uh, the shop couldn't cope with it, so we used to basically have a queue outside all the time. Um, two years later, Yotan basically came by looking for a job, and he was looking for a pastry kind of precision, and uh, I remember talking to him outside saying, I don't think we, we, we have anything for you at the moment, but why don't you just give me your number and I'll talk to the manager. Uh, sh um, five minutes later, I, I just saw the manager, this guy that's looking for a job as a pastry chef, said, oh, no, no, bring him in, let's, let, let's hear, hear him. Uh, and while I was talking to him, I said, it's, he just asked, where are you from? And I said, I'm Palestinian. And he said, ah, oh, so I'm in, I'm in Israel. We just kind of started talking. Uh, in Hebrew, basically. Um, and since then, we kind of bonded and became good friends. Uh, three years later, Yotam um, and his ex-partner, Noam Bar, <coughs> decided to open a... They wanted to open something. It wasn't really clear, and they asked me if I want to join them. Um, because my friendship with both, I thought, but they kept insisting on kind of convincing me. And a couple of months later, I, I joined the venture. Uh, we found the location in Notting Hill, and uh, this is how the Lengi really started, by you know just kind of joining a few friends together and opening this little, tiny little shop in Notting Hill. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so a good business partnership often comes from clearly defined roles. Did you set this from the onset, and was it always clear that Yotam was going to be at the forefront? Um, I mean, when we started, we didn't have this whole kind of dream of being a celebrity or not a celebrity, and how big we were going to be. Uh, basically, um, I did all the savory side of the business and Yotam was standing in the kitchen doing pastries and breads and uh, cakes. Uh, when we opened Islington, which is two years later, uh, one of us had to get out of the kitchen to be able to manage two places in, in, in the same time. So Yotam kind of decided that, okay, I'm gonna be running in between boats. And I stayed in Notting Hill and this is kind of the start of uh, defining the, the role between us. It wasn't really clear how we're gonna do it or whether Yotam is gonna be the front of the business because we didn't have this kind of dream. We kind of went from one venture to another. We didn't really plan anything. It wasn't kind of, okay, so in five years, I'm gonna, we're gonna open another free restaurant and then I'm gonna be you know, doing three books. It's all kind of, organically kind of uh, <coughs> developed. Okay, and just touching on again, the, the Yotam being more at, on the forefront, 
I mean, how, how do you feel about that now? As in, you don't always get as much I'm, credit I'm as maybe. I'm about it, actually. Because, uh, um, I remember we had this, uh, we were sitting in Islington, we had breakfast together, and we kind of touched on, uh, that was after um, releasing Otelengi, the cookbook, and um, we both, I mean, I felt a little bit more uh, kind of, uh, um, I don't know how to describe it, but we, we both felt very strongly about, you know, the whole releasing the book and releasing all the things that we've been doing for the last five years. And we, we kind of had a chat saying, uh, you know, I got this agent and she really wants us to do uh, another cookbook and maybe uh, in the future do kind of TV. And, and he said, what do you feel about it? And I said, actually, you know what, I'm happy to do another book, but I'm not sure about the TV. Um, uh, why I said that? Because I am uh, I'm a more kind of private, a little bit shy in a way. You can't really see that, but hey. Um, but uh, what it takes to be, you know, the front of a business, which is kind of growing organically, and it's tough. And I was happy to be in the kitchen cooking with, with the rest of the chefs. And this is where I feel a little bit kind of uh, this a conflict that it's not really a conflict. It's it's me feeling more comfortable with running a business. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I guess especially nowadays, you seem to see a lot of people that are quite fame hungry. But for you, you just you you're satisfied. In, in, also, in you, you know, you we we are feeling we are. It's not just me and Yotam. We are five people kind of running the business, and it's it's like a little family. We all know our kind of weaknesses and strengths and we we don't kind of point we just kind of work as a family okay so he's good at this thing and she's good at that and just kind of get on with it and just do the best you can so you mentioned that a baker and spice at the time there were cues out the door and that things kind of fell into place with Osalengi and grew quite organically i mean do you feel like it was or an instant success, or was it? Was there a tipping point? No, it it, it was um, 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 an immediate success. I mean, I, I remember when we opened, it was a kind of a very. It's it starting to become posh area, not and uh, uh, we 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 kind of wanted to replicate Baker and Spice, but uh, our friend Alex, he's he's a interior designer, kind of said. Look, your, your food is so colorful, you don't need any <coughs> color around, apart from, you know, the back, white back, backdrop. And to let the food basically speak for, for itself. Um, and this is how the concept became, where, you know, it's it kind of white and clean, and everything is kind of pristine, but the food is kind of, you know, the, the star of the show. Um, I lost the... Yeah, no, you're, you're good. Um, w would you say that timing... had too much to drink. Would you say that timing played... Me or you? <laughs> um, would you say that timing played a big part of the success? Uh, definitely. I mean, when we opened, uh, we started like Otolengi, and uh, the beginning we used to have these big flower arrangements in the window, and people used to think we are a flower shop. <laughs> and, uh, 
but it, it kind of withdrew because it withdrew all the neighbors and I remember just kind of going around and uh, giving them poisson and coffee in the morning and it, it kind of uh, created this kind of a little hype in the neighborhood where people are, there's something going on there and so they started coming and two weeks later we started having people coming from Hampstead and from Hammersmith <laughs> and this is how, uh, you know, we be kind of, it was almost like an um, immediate hit. We, we didn't even know what to do with ourselves because, uh, you know, what we kind of planned, it was um, this little shop with few kind of uh, cute little um, pastries and few salads, but then the demand was so high that uh, I remember kind of breaking down and looking at we need to do more soup. So people started to come for a soup and a bread and uh, stuff like that. Uh, but also, uh, the people kind of bought that, you know, it's, it's what we did, it's kind of really wonderful. And uh, we used to just basically by five, five o'clock selling out and three, two hours later, it's like, you can't just produce more food basically to, to last for another two hours. Yeah, that's, that does sound really So that, the answer basically is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, often in business you come across unexpected hurdles and you, you soon realize that there's always a plan B or perhaps you kind of have to adopt that attitude to survive. Was this the case with Ottolenghi? Um, was there anything that you had to overcome? Because it's been, it's been a long journey. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples where when we opened Spitalfield, um, we had a total kind of um, idea how it's going to be. Um, I mean, we, we kind of foolishly thought it's going to be busy with city people and coming very quick and having, you know, to grab something. And we built even the, 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 the kitchen to basically cater for that. And it kind of proved us wrong. We, kind of um, worked more like a restaurant. People didn't want to uh, take uh, boxes to our offices, but actually to come and choose their food from the counter. It put quite a lot of pressure on us, so we had to readjust the, the, the whole design of the kitchen and the restaurant. Uh, Spitalfield worked now as a restaurant, unlike Islington or Notting Hill, where they are a cafe and a deli. The other one, which is, was a total failure for us uh, because we didn't kind of uh, research the market properly. We opened Sesame, it was a kind of a, a quick pizza. Uh, it was delicious, such good prices. You just, it was amazing. It's, it's a breaking heart. It, made, it's it also, breaks my heart. Yeah, it, it, it broke our heart, but also we kind of realized that uh, we need to stick to what we know. Uh, but you not, pulled out quite quickly of that. Yeah, rather because giving it we were time. losing quite a lot of money on it. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually ashamed to say that. Oh, come on. No, you always maybe. have a flawless journey. No, we, we, whatever, you know, every mistake you make, you kind of learn from mistakes. And if you haven't yet, it will, it will come later, but the explanation. Um, so touching on your upcoming book, which I'll come back to you later, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it won't have any ties 
to Yotam so that it can be translated into Arabic and distributed into your Arabic countries, which your current books can't. Yeah. So um, how much has the political aspect of what you do affected the business? Did you, did you expect this from the onset and how have you worked yeah. around it? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge thing. And also we've been dealing with that for a lot of years now where uh, people think uh, Otelengi is an Israeli company. And actually, when you look into the details, it's, it's the least Israeli you can actually expect. Um, apart from, you know, um, Yotam and his ex-partner, Noam, which is he's also a kind of a, a, a play a big role in the company, the rest, which is 120, uh, sorry, 1,200 people, is from all around the country and the world, and even we have Palestinians. So, and I'm I'm kind of one of the main characters in the Palengi story. Yeah, <laughs> yes, true. So it, it kind of uh, uh, people kind of uh, um, choose to to choose a side. So when you talk about the Pelengi, people think, I mean, some people think, okay, this is an Israeli company with an Israeli chef. And it, it's partly because of Yotam is all kind of, you know, the front of the, the company. Um, but other people think, uh, but this is also Sammy's, so it's a, it's a Palestinian company. So it's kind of, yeah. Um, uh, until we, we released um, Jerusalem, the cookbook, uh, we've been working together for, eight years, and nobody kind of even flinched about you know, the fact that we are an Israeli and a Palestinian working together, and we are good friends, and, and people caught on that, and we became this kind of, oh, they're going to bring peace into the Middle East. The truth is, we are still running a business, we are good friends, and we don't really discuss politics because uh, it's not something that we, we do. It's not something that I want to do with, 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 uh, with my uh, business partner, really. Yeah, and I suppose you're just a living example. Um, so yeah, maybe you're not a campaigner, but you're, you're really setting, setting an I example. Mean, I, I have my own kind of, um, Let's, let's not talk about yes. it. <laughs> yes, sorry. Um, so, to, to lighten the mood. So <laughs> I can barely dance now. <laughs> oh my God, how much have you had to drink? I, mean, I swear you're shy. <laughs> uh, okay, so, you've had such... such I had two sips of white wine. <laughs> no, I swear you, when you arrive. Right. <laughs> so... Okay, three. You, <laughs> you've had such a long partnership with Yotam. Do you ever grate on each other? And to be specific, from what I know of you, you're very neat and tidy and you're very particular. So what's Yotam really like? <laughs> Does he ever get on your nerves? <laughs> I mean, whenever we used to work in a kitchen together, he used to get on, on the nerves because he used to pretend that he was cleaning. So his cleaning would go like this. <laughs> where you need to really kind of elbow and just kind of get on with it. Uh, so we, we have this joke that, you know, he doesn't know how to, to clean properly because he's too pushed to do that. That's brilliant. 
<laughs> but he also uh, liked to come to my house and open the, the cupboards and admire how neat and tidy and color coordinated things. I think it's just how you are, and you, you're just either way. I, I'm, I'm messy, but I'm creative. <laughs> uh, it can be also tidy yes, and creative. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, did you have to, between each other, compromise um, on something or work, work on things together to, to, to make that your, your partnership more compatible? Or what advice would you give to people in general that might be seeking business partners? Uh, compromises, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a big issue where, it's not really a compromise, but you need to keep a, uh, an open mind about business because when you open a business, so uh, if it's small or bigger, or uh, uh, when you have a set of how is it should be, uh, it's not gonna work because yeah. time change, people change. Uh, when we started to now, it's a big, uh, it's a big change in, in London and uh, the, the rest of the world. Uh, you just have to keep in mind that uh, what you serve two years ago is not good enough, or it's not, it's, um, it's not that it's not good enough, but you know, you just kind of, you need to just keep it uh, updated and also listen to the customers that comes to the, to the restaurant, to your delis, uh, to basically, basically try to find out or kind of understand what, what they want and what and their needs really. Okay, so you kind of touched on my next question, which is basically, <laughs> so these days you often see businesses written about um, where they've, they've jumped to success, but they're, uh, often they're, a, they're a, a maximum of two years old, which sometimes you kind of think, well, surely if you, you, you can't, surely the proof is, is in, in lasting a bit longer than that. And so yeah, people would just jump to write about these new businesses, but I think if, if you, the real, you know that, that someone has real talent or something, some substance to what they do if they've lasted a bit longer, which obviously you've been going for I think 17 years. And so you've touched on uh, base, some of the, the, the reasons why you think you've lasted so long. I also know that you're, you're quite, big on consistency, and I'm also curious to hear about your hiring process as well and where those things play a part. Um, wait, I mean, well, just a We always, um, uh, from the beginning, we wanted to do a, a kind of a family-oriented um, business where whoever comes in, he's you know, welcome, and if they don't feel like part of the company, it means that they, it doesn't work. So. Uh, there's a mommy and a daddy and a, a older sister, and you just kind of have to go get on with them. Otherwise, it doesn't work because obviously, you know, you don't like this type of business. Uh, so we are 17 years, but we still operate on the same kind of family-run business where the five of us basically running the show uh, with different. It's like siblings, where you know. Just have a baby, and now it's a grown up, and they have their own family. So each each unit that we run now, it's a kind of an 
a family, a little family in, in, in kind of integrated in our family. Uh, that and also, I mean, just touching with the, you know the, the, this whole kind of uh, opening a, a successful business. Uh, I see it all the time. I mean, you have business that kind of booming for six months and then they open another one, and then six months later they open another one. Um, in my eyes, this is not a, a good strategy because uh, it's very very hard to. Um, keep it up and also the, the standards are kind of start to tilt and when you open the third one the standards are kind of on the bottom because you can't really cope up with it. If it's a, if it's a one person running the, the show behind three places there's no way you can do that. Um, so people get a bit greedy and they okay so we have a, a very successful cafe that turns this kind of money I'm gonna open another six and then they can't cope with it. And then two years, two years later, it kind of failed. Uh, so what I'm trying to say here is uh, we run in a, a family business. The money wasn't always the, the kind of um, reason behind us opening this business. We wanted to keep the standards high. We wanted to have people come in to work for us, happy every day to come to work, but also updating our menus, working on ourselves, working what we, on what we offer for people, and never kind of compromise on the, on the standard. That's really, that's really interesting. Really, really good answer. So you've, you've kind of grown sustainably. Um, does it all feel surreal in any way? Does it, you know, I, I, I'm assuming at the beginning it did. And does it, does it feel that way now? Uh, not really. I mean, uh, we we run. I mean, I run for the last few years so hard, and you kind of you, you don't stop and look back and say oh, I achieved this. You're just looking at you know how to keep it going and improve it and make it work and make every single person that works in a company happy, but also you know uh, your relationship with the customers and why they come. Cookbooks uh, make it much harder, but also open a different kind of link to the business where every, every time we release a book, it brings different people. Uh, and they're not necessarily people that are kind of familiar with the lady. They, you know, they come because of the cookbook and they want to try the restaurants um, because they, they, they heard about this and they like the food and they've been cooking for the, uh, from the cookbooks. Um, it's it's kind of um, uh, you know our standards, and it's very very difficult for us to do that because um, their expectations are so high, and we need to basically meet their expectation. And this is kind of a difficult kind of thing to to deal on a running um, kind of uh, organically little machine. So. Can you tell us a bit about your interests outside of Ossolengi and how you like to spend so your time? <laughs> 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 okay, we can we can move along. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm I am a kind of uh, home person. I like to uh, I have a wonderful house in West London where um, I like interior design. I like uh, 
Um, my dogs, I like to have a little kind of quiet life, so I don't think it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> okay, so, okay, moving on. What? <laughs> I like, I love traveling. This is the, one of the, the, the kind of the, the thing that I love. And I like, I don't like kind of this um, book or I just like to go to a place that I know that they're going to um, feed me well and I can learn. And it doesn't matter whether I'm, I can speak the language or not. I would never go to a place that I know uh, before I go that uh, they don't really have good food. <laughs> Okay, which leads me on to my next question. So, what's your comfort food? Your, your ideal comfort food? Oh, God. Uh, I didn't. I didn't tell you about that. I have both, you know, the, the, the European and also the Middle Eastern side. So, I can I can be a very happy person if you serve me um, a cottage pie or a bagel with smoked salmon and cream cheese, but also uh, njada is one of my favorite thing. Or the other day I just cooked bulgur in kind of hot tomato sauce with a little bit of uh, courgettes and two dollars of yogurt and this is kind of for me comfortable. Fair enough. I so, like sushi as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I mean like you've been traveling for a long time, you come home and you, you know, Majadara and the bonhole makes yeah. sense. <laughs> but also the bagel and the cottage pie. <laughs> yes, fair. <laughs> fair enough. So, um, life throws stuff at you. I'm sure we all know that. And um, in your case, you recently had some health complications <laughs> that took several turns. And um, not only did it sort of, before this, you were running, you were still running around every day to almost every Otolenghi site, testing, testing, basically, t t checking on, <laughs> checking up on all the, the dishes. Um, and as a friend looking, looking in on this, I was amazed at your patience and your positivity throughout the whole experience, especially with, with how your lifestyle changed during that time. So can you sort of tell us a bit of what kept you sane during this time? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a positive person in nature, but um, uh, before I had the operation, I was in hospital already. Uh, I had a, an open heart surgery, basically, two, two and a half years ago, and it was really bad. It was so bad before the operation that I kind of blacked out twice in the street. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I met this Palestinian amazing uh, doctor in hospital before my operation and he basically decided okay I love what you do and I love where you kind of stand by and uh, I'm gonna just take care of you and he basically uh, run everything to make sure that I have a, a good operation and that the best doctor will see me and uh, and I felt kind of humble and uh, 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 lucky to have a person like that, where, you know, hospitals are quite grim and, you know, you can't lie. I, I was in hospital for six months. And hospitals are kind of depressing and the food is horrible. And, but uh, 
uh, he kept me going. He kept me kind of um, chin up and kind of positive about it. And he used to come every day to see me and sometimes have a coffee with me. Uh, that one side. And the other side is uh, I had so many wonderful people coming, um, all my friends and family coming around and uh, spending hours with me and bringing me food. And this is also something that you can't just poop on. Uh, but also, uh, the love of people, I mean, social media was kind of, uh, I could just talk about things with people and, I mean, people that I, I never met ever, they, they send me uh, flowers and cards and cakes and it, it's, it's really nice. And I think this is what really kind of kept me going. That, that's amazing. I mean. I, I can see that you're surrounded by so much positive people and positivity and that's obviously a reflection of what you give out and I can see how, how that gives back. And uh, you know, I mean, Dana started with the, the Kufar uh, Nahum, the, the, the Lebanese, you mean, it's a, it's a very, very horrible story, but it makes you kind of think it could be worse. I mean, I'm, I'm living here in London. I'm successful. I arrived here 22 years ago knowing nothing. I didn't even know what's going to happen with me. Uh, didn't speak the language. And here we go. I mean, 22 years later, uh, I'm like, I, I just feel like I'm the luckiest person ever. Exactly. I, lo I love that. And yeah, and we've, I mean, got, it, we've got a passport that allows us to work, travel. Yeah. It takes a lot of hard work, but... Uh, if you want to achieve it, it's there, you can just kind of grab it. You know, it's, it's amazing, you know, your, your journey and where you've come from. Um, so you kind of touched on this earlier, but I was going to say that I've seen how you are with your staff and your alumni and how much love you have for them. And it really is almost like a family. And do you think part of that is maybe to do with how far away your family are uh, or, or to do with w warmth from, from, your, from the Palestinian side of your culture? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is, uh, work is my family. or um, I spend more time with them than I spend with my partner and my dogs. Uh, <laughs> but the other thing is I, I trained in a, a very kind of uh, old school kitchen where, you know, they would throw things at you and be horrible to you and call you names. <laughs> And I didn't want to, uh, when I got to be a head chef, I said to myself, I want to be nice to people. I don't want to be kind of throwing pans and pots on them and being kind of cursing them. And I mean, I remember one story where I was horrified. I mean, this uh, little kind of uh, apprentice came to work for us in the kitchen. And the head chef basically locked him in a freezer for, for 20 minutes. And it was a horrible thing to, to kind of, um, it, and it, it kind of stays in your mind all your kind of life. I mean, I still kind of think about it and what an idiot. Um, but I wanted to be nice to my staff because after a while you kind of see that you can actually get the best out of people by be, being nice to them. Okay, you, you have to be firm and kind of like, um, get the message kind of very firmly and uh, clearly to them, but also be extra nice to them because they are your family. Well, that, that's lovely. And 
as as naive as it, as it might sound, I, I want to believe that the, the success of Ottolenghi is partly to do with karma. It, it is. It's all, you know, it, it, it's, you see that. I mean, it, coming to us, it's not just about having the food, but also the whole package. I mean, we want people to come and have the best experience they, they ever had. Uh, from, you know, the food to the service to remember your name next time. Or when you call to book a table, they tell you, ah, it's Mr. Da-da-da. Which is really important. I mean, you know, the people want to have this kind of connection with, with, with the rest, their favorite places to go and eat. So can you tell us a bit about your upcoming book, Palestine? It's, um, it, it will be released in um, April next year. I've been doing research all my life for that, and also uh, it's a, a collection of recipes that I've been collecting from when I was five. Uh, but also it's a, it's a kind of um, a love letter to my, my people, my country, the food, uh, the food that I grew up on, uh, you know, having, and uh, the food that kind of uh, made me want to basically cook and be a chef. Uh, it's a collection of 110 recipes. It's uh, a lot of traditional recipes, but a lot of also uh, kind of take on. Uh, people don't have time to stand and you know, stuff vine leaves for three hours for dinner. <laughs> so we kind of make, we took this dish and kind of turn it upside down and um, uh, so you get all the essence of the dish <laughs> and the flavors, but with kind of Accessible. yeah, twenty minutes. <laughs> um, it's also um, it's got quite a lot of um, profiles in it, in from different people. Some connected to food, some not. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, the when you say Palestinian and Palestine at the moment, uh, people think war and stabbing and bombing. Uh, uh, what, what I wanted to show is uh, Palestinians are also humans and they have their big or small lives and they, um, they just want to kind of continue living uh, in a kind of hope and decent. Um, so yeah, we have also uh, uh, the profile, which is it's really, really wonderful. Too. I didn't want to make a, a book about myself, I wanted to make it about the country and the food and the people. I'm really excited. <laughs> and finally, before we open to questions, so do you have, can you- Have you finished all yours? Well, what, about, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> okay. um, what, what are your three top business or life tips that you can share with us? Um, Stay positive and also uh, don't be afraid of trying new things. This is kind of, uh, I, I keep saying that to my chefs all the time. Um, and speak up. If you don't speak, people don't know what you're thinking. So if you are a quiet person or you have an idea and you can't talk about it, speak to you. Thank you. Anybody so have another question? Oh, yes. Yeah. Hi. Um, hello. 
Um, my question is, what do you think the future holds, or to put another way, what do you think is maybe missing in terms of how people enjoy food? I mean, we go through phases uh, uh, with food. It's like fashion. It's um, at the moment, you know, you kind of nothing new comes uh, anymore. It's kind of it's a take on something that you already had existed before and just trying to kind of uh, make it trendy. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we have endless cake shops at the moment, and they're all really bad. I mean, it's like, <laughs> and why can't you just think of something a little bit more creative than just open another bread and, and pastry that it's the kind of mediocre uh, quality? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the future is, you know, that people are still going to uh, run after a trend, basically. Thank you. Hi. Um, how do you think about sticking to your guns when you're trying something new and figuring out when to change something that's not working? Um, I mean, for me, it's uh, how many times can you cook the same dish? Um, start with there. Uh, when you put a very successful dish on the menu, for example, in, in our restaurant, it's like, I, I get bored of it, the chefs get bored of cooking it, the, the customers will get bored of seeing it. So you just you can't, you have to listen to uh, not just yourself, but also Okay, so I had it on, uh, for two months and it, it, it's really successful, but I can just take it out and replace it with something a little bit different. I can always bring it back. Uh, because you know this, this dish is going to be always successful, so you just kind of uh, roll it like this. Uh, but also, don't stick to your guns with seeds, uh, thinking um, it's a wonderful dish, I'm, I'm going to keep it on my It's not selling, but okay, I'm just going to keep it until people kind of uh, uh, get convinced, convinced that uh, it, it's a good dish. It doesn't work like this. Someone's got one if you Apart from the Ottolenghi restaurants, which is your favorite restaurant to eat in London? Mm. Apart from Ottolenghi? Yeah, apart from Ottolenghi. <laughs> That's it's not fair as well. I, mean, um, I have. Um, I like to eat locally, so I don't like to go to far away for restaurants. I do that, of course, because I need to be kind of kept updated on what's happening. Uh, I dined lately in Bright, in London Fields. It's really wonderful. Uh, but I can't really say it's my favorite. It's my favorite now, so okay. <laughs> um, I'm just uh, no. I, I I can't really choose one. Sure. I I don't need the microphone. I'm sure. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, oh thank you. <laughs> okay, sorry. You've mentioned a couple. Oh, we got one here. We got one here. Next. Okay. You've mentioned a couple of times partnership with five. Are you at liberty to say who the other three are? Yeah, of course. <laughs> we have Neil York on the stew and then Cornelia, she's a, a lovely Swiss lady. She's basically uh, 
uh, general manager of the whole company, and she tells everybody what to do and how to do it. But she's also really, really good with people. So she, when it comes to hiring people, um, I nurture them. Uh, she, she's a kind of a, a lady. We have Noam, he's a, a Yotam Tech partner. He's been in the business since uh, day one. Uh, he actually had the idea of opening an Utalengi. And then we have this um, uh, Yotam's uh, 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 sister, she's quite involved in the in a business, but uh, kind of behind the scenes. Thank you. Sean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hi. Do you have plans to expand and uh, franchise, like open restaurants other parts of the world? Uh, we have a problem with this because we are all control freaks. <laughs> and we want, I want to kind of, in my kind of, uh, ideal world to go to all my places in the same day and kind of visit them and see that everything is okay. Um, but I'm, I'm, talking to my, I'm talking about myself, but we all like this. So uh, we are in, in, in talking uh, talking in something in Asia, uh, but who knows? I mean, we, we are open to the idea because we, we feel like the company should kind of grow up a little bit, but not so much franchise, because uh, franchise is a compromise. Any more? I'd be interested, and thanks very much, it's been a pretty evening. I'd be interested on what, which book do you think has had the most profound effect on the fans that cook from it? Uh, good, good question, actually. <laughs> Um, when uh, when uh, Plenty came out, I mean, um, it made a big noise, and people could believe that it's all vegetarian food. So that one, and then when Jerusalem came out, um, as I said before, where people love the story. It's a lovely story behind it, where two people from two sides of the uh, uh, city kind of um, sharing their experience and the food that they had all their life, um, and also the fact that you know I'm Palestinian and you're talking to Israeli. The latest star is uh, simple because it's a kind of cute concept uh, where you know it, 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 it kind of easy cooking, not so many ingredients, and also you can uh, kind of. Uh, swap things around and kind of change it to your liking. Yeah, they're all good, basically. I love Jerusalem. Thank you, Sammy and Donna. It's been really interesting um, hearing all these anecdotes and stories. But um, you mentioned about traveling, and it would be really interesting to learn about which country, in your opinion, has offered you the most in terms of enjoyment of food, um, and has there been any country that surprised you? Um, I mean, I'm in love with uh, Japan, uh, Thailand. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I, I love Copenhagen as well. I think uh, these three places kind of offer 
uh, a full monty of food. You want to say that? Thank you so much for your talk. It's been really interesting. Um, you sort of mentioned that when you did mention that uh, organic was, uh, sorry, Okanagi was the first stop for organic. So how do you guys like to use organic? Uh, the old days, we, uh, we used to uh, do everything through Camden. It's our test kitchen and also the bakery. Uh, when Dana came a few years back, uh, she basically managed to meet uh, both of us because we were trying new products and one of them was argan oil. Yeah, you buy it for the, you just, uh, you just launched the online shop. Yeah, and also because uh, we, we never wanted to sell anything, any products in our shops that we don't make. So everything that we do in, in Otolenghi is kind of homemade. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we decided that the, the demand was so high on uh, the Benzatar, the Solubol, and it's very difficult to find in the market. So uh, we decided to do the, the web store where people can actually call or email and order it. And after a while, we, we, we realized that we don't have enough to offer. So we just kind of started to look for the best quality ingredients that we can use and offer people basically a, a, a kind of a recipe and also a way of uh, using it and they can get it from our website. Um, to, well, I believe that Otolenghi um, has played a massive role in introducing this country and I guess the whole Western world to Middle Eastern food. Um, and I'm just interested to know what it's been like educating people on that kind of food um, and if that process is ongoing like what it's been like trying to get people to understand those folks because some of them i'm middle eastern as well and some i remember once you know cooking for some friends and they found some mark really really like acidic and really strong so what's it been like uh it's been kind of um uh Challenging and wonderful at, at, at the same time because when we started, people didn't even like aubergine. <laughs> and this is our bestseller, and uh, uh, they didn't know about lots of ingredients that we brought, where tahini and sumac and zatar and uh, like even uh, uh, obviously like cardamom. They people didn't really kind of relate to that. I mean, for that for for this country, for example. Cardamom was kind of part of Christmas, and it comes for like uh, two weeks or three weeks, and then it disappears again. And we kind of use it a lot. And uh, that um, educating people—it's um, people were hungry to um, for a, a better, healthier, more colorful food. Um, because, as I said before, when, when you think about delis in London, when we started, it was uh, sandwiches wrapped in cling film, um, a chunk of ham that's been sitting in a kind of fridge for ages, and people kind of slice and make it butter and kind of really soggy bread sandwiches. Uh, or bread, I remember breaded um, um, veal scallop, scallop. Uh, so that, that kind of this also played a big part of it. Um, 
Hi. Uh, first of all, Lahir uh, Abak. And for those who doesn't speak Arabic, I am basically flirting in Sali. So I'm very proud of you and your passion to giving all this international exposure to the Palestinian prison and the community in that region. I recently started the social enterprise, working with refugees and offering traditional refugees from that region. And I'm always struggling between maintaining the original city and making it more modern, or like according to the a lot of requirements, gluten-free or dairy-free, and or even like trying to just make it taste better. Mm -hmm. So there are two schools, either like people who want to maintain the tradition of recipes, and they say no, you have to revolutionize yeah. the recipes. So what is your take on this? Like how do you maintain the balance between? I mean, when we talk about Palestinian food, for example, we're not talking about Otolenghi's food now, right? Yeah. Uh, when we talk about Palestinian food, Palestinian food is a kind of a, um, crisis at the moment. Uh, although it's, it's very kind of popular now in, in, in London and in, the, uh, in Europe, uh, Palestinian food is struggling because um, I don't want to kind of go into politics, but Israel is basically to the Palestinian recipes and went out and sold it as their own. That's one thing. And the other thing is because uh, the, the division of the country at the moment, people used to have seasonal... What I'm trying to say is Palestinian food should be always kept traditional because it's, it's a kind of identity thing, but also because it's very important to keep it the way it is um, for the new generation. So that, that one part of the, 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 the question. The other part of the question is, I am the first one to say, change. I, um, I, I get bored of you know, having, I mean, I, when I go back to Jerusalem with my sister, uh, there's like 10 dishes that they cook. Uh, they cook it so wonderfully and they are so delicious. But I want to see more. Uh, so for me, changing and kind of uh, recreating and adding things to come very naturally. Uh, with the gluten-free and all that, this is uh, something that you just have to kind of work it out yourself. But um, um, my answer to you is, I'm up. You know, you just you don't feel bad about changing things because. Why not? It's not gonna, it's not gonna change anything, and you know the 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 the, the base or the, the 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 original dish is really really good. You can just add a few things to it. When we started, I mean, I grew up on eating a lot of vegetables. Uh, vegetables and pulses and grains, they were kind of uh, 
the, the, the main things that we had. Uh, meat was kind of expensive, and we, I grew up in Jerusalem where it's in the hills, but there were no fish even. Um, and we didn't have cows back then. So all the red meat, we, we had lamb and sheep and all that, but the uh, red meat like uh, beef was always frozen, coming from different countries. So, and it was really, really expensive. So basically, we look at vegetables as the stars of you know what we want to create. It's, uh, vegetarian food is, is uh, can be delicious without you know the adding of you know meats to it. Um, it's it's a kind of um, way of living. And this is how we, 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 we do it. You use a lot of herbs, lemon, salt, like... But all the Middle East does that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, what we are not uh, uh, kind of uh, scared of is kind of trying different combinations where you come up. Um, you have to keep trying combinations. If, when it works, you, you know it works. Uh, otherwise, it, it gets really boring. Hi there. Um, Sam, you said when you moved to the UK, you didn't have much in the way of a, a plan for what you were going to be doing. And I wondered what your expectations were of London and the UK when you moved here and how it's sort of lived up to that or, or not in your, your time. I mean, it, yeah, it gave me what I am at the moment, which is, you know, it's great. Uh, when I arrived, I mean, I, I, did, I did leave Jerusalem because I was stuck in my career, I, I just couldn't move on, and uh, there was nowhere for me to basically go. So the, 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 the cho the, I chose to come to, to this country because of that, first of all, and it's been good to me. I mean, the expectations were kind of less than what, what I kind of expected, but uh, yeah, I mean, I achieved quite a lot in such a short time. Too much pressure on the last one. <laughs> so, hi, um, can you tell us something about how you source your ingredients and also your opinion about the theme of sustainability? Okay. Yeah, I mean, when we started, we didn't have, nobody kind of cared about this, but I kept saying that I want herbs from the Middle East because I know that they, they're going to be the best. And I remember talking to our vegetable suppliers saying I want a box of this and a box of that, but just make sure that it comes from Jordan or from Egypt. And uh, I remember him calling the next morning and said, okay, so I got you a bunch of this. And I said, no, I want the whole box of it, not just a bunch. <laughs> and he was really surprised. And this is how we started a good kind of relationship with suppliers where they will know what to source you. Uh, I wanted to use the cucumber, not the, the English kind of uh, watery, tasteless one. Um, and this is this is how you kind of build up a, a network with with our with your supplier, and they will get you the best kind of thing that in the market. Or and I mean, I remember it was like, ah, pomegranate, they come from Iran, and they are the best. And so this is how we we start. Nowadays, it's all changed because we're trying to be. Um, much better with uh, sozum. I mean, I, at the moment we have our own kind of potted land. We grow things that we want to in the season, 
but also we try to source things that are from English, first of all, but also not far from, from, from England, and of course the Middle East. I mean, people want to have, I want to know where the chicken comes from and what, what kind of feed did it have, and that, you know, the, 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 the lettuce that I'm having in a salad, uh, where, you know, what kind of uh, water it had, where it grow, uh, whether they, they use kind of chemicals or not or not. That's the last one, right? <laughs> so what were your um, inspiration for making European radios? And what do you think is um, the most significant fact of the European restaurant compared to the Chinese? Yeah, uh, Nopi, uh, we opened it because we had a, a very good uh, head chef in Islington and we wanted to do something with him so he doesn't leave. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it started like this. He's uh, partly, partly Chinese, partly Malaysian, partly uh, Australian and something else. And he's, he's a genius. He's, his name is Scully. He's got his own restaurant at the moment. But we wanted to open something that kind of reflects the food that he does. And this is kind of keeping our kind of mind open about it. Uh, and it, it's still, to the day, the food, his, his influence in the, on the food at Nopi is quite uh, kind of uh, noticeable. Uh, Rovi, um, we, do, we, wanted, we had a kind of uh, a, a meeting with all the chefs and the, the owners and we just kind of decided, okay, so we're, we're gonna, we are ready to open another place, but what shall we open? And we kind of hold, uh, brainstorming about what to open. We decided that we were to open something slightly different, uh, but still kind of a lot heavy on vegetables and fruit and all that, uh, but also sustainable. Uh, and we, we've been kind of uh, experimenting with, with grilling. So, okay, so why don't we just bring a whole big grill and kind of start playing with that. And this is how the whole idea started. Uh, I mean, after that came fermentation and pickling, and uh, and it, it opened a, a kind of a new world for us. Thanks, guys. Great to have you here. And uh, we've got some of Sammy's books on sale over here. Thank you very much, Thank guys. Thank you. Very much. Exactly. I, I hope you got to see the charming, charming man that is Sami Tamimi and um, get a glimpse into his personality. And you can, the best way to stay um, in touch with Sami, I guess, is to follow you on Instagram, right?